Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, The Charm of Golf, from the book, Not That It Matters, by A.A. Milne. As the summer comes to an end and the autumn brings in shorter days and cooler temperatures to the Western Hemisphere, the summer sport of golf typically comes to an end. Unless you live in a locale with golf all year round like I do, and the best of golf is just around the corner. Tonight's story is called The Charm of Golf, written by A.A. Milne. Milne was an English author popular for his books about the teddy bear Winnie the Pooh and children's poetry. He was primarily a playwright before the huge success of Winnie the Pooh overshadowed all of his previous works. Milne was the father of bookseller Christopher Robin Milne, upon whom the character Christopher Robin is based. And in case you didn't know this, it was during a visit to the London Zoo where Christopher became enamored with the tame and amiable bear Winnipeg that inspired Milne to write the story for his son. Even though Milne is best known for Winnie the Pooh, like all writers waxing poetic about life and other observations, it's paramount to getting those ideas out of the head and onto paper. This is perhaps an odd story for Fairy Sleepy, but I gotta tell you, at the same time, nothing puts me to sleep faster than watching golf. Maybe it's the soft golf claps or the necessity for quiet so that the golfer can make their shot. Maybe it's the rolling green and sandy traps that remind me of walks through nature. I think it's more to do with the announcers with their soft overview of the shots and laundry lists of the players' stats. As an American football fan, I can tell you I prefer the noise of football, and without it, the game seems less than. To the point, during COVID, they actually piped in crowd noise to make up for the lack of fans in the stands. Not so much with golf. Instead, we are shushed so the players can concentrate. I think that's when my head starts to nod and the sleepy glaze forms over my eyes. Some of the best naps I've ever had were during a golf match. For those of you who love golf, you will enjoy this story. And for those of you who do not, sweet dreams. Now, the origins of golf are unclear and much debated. However, it is generally accepted that modern golf developed in Scotland from the Middle Ages onwards. The game did not find international popularity until the late 19th century, because at that point it spread into the rest of the United Kingdom and then to the British Empire and finally the United States. The modern game of golf is generally considered to be a Scottish invention, hence the intro music. A spokesman for the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews, one of the oldest Scottish golf organizations, said stick and ball games have been around for many centuries, but golf as we know it today, played over 18 holes, clearly originated in Scotland. 
The first documented mention of golf in Scotland appears in a 1457 Act of the Scottish Parliament. An edict issued by King James II of Scotland prohibited the playing of the games as these were a distraction from archery practice for military purposes. Bans were also again imposed, with golf being described as an unprofitable sport. Just as a point of fact, Mary Queen of Scots played golf and she was accused of playing pell-mell at Seton Palace after her husband was murdered in 1567, when she ought to have been in solemn mourning. James VII of Scotland, while still Duke of Albany, was said to have played the first international golf contest in 1681, when he participated in a game against two English courtiers as part of a bet over rights to claim the game for Scotland or England. His teammate was said to be one John Patterson, who received as payment enough money to build a mansion on the area of Edinburgh, now known as Golfer's Land. I think it's safe to say many mansions have come after and many more to be built on money from golf, for sure. Now, in this story, Milne makes a reference to Varden. He's discussing Harry Varden, and during his career, Varden made three visits to North America in 1900, 1913, and 1920. During all three trips, he competed in the U.S. Open, finishing first, second, and tied second. He became golf's first international celebrity in 1900 when he toured the U.S. and Canada. He played in more than 90 matches and capped it off with a victory in the U.S. Open. Varden wrote that while on this tour, he only lost two matches. Just in case you aren't a golf history aficionado, I thought that would I would look that up for you because I am not a golf history aficionado. Not in the least. In fact, I'm more on the campside of Mark Twain, who said, quote, Golf is a good walk spoiled, end quote. The Charm of Golf, from the book Not That It Matters by A.A. A. Milne. And I hope it makes you very, very sleepy. When he reads of the notable doings of famous golfers, the 18-handicapped man has no envy in his heart, for by this time he has discovered the great secret of golf. Before he began to play, he wondered wherein lay the fascination of it. Now he knows. Golf is so popular simply because it is the best game in the world at which to be bad. Consider what it is to be bad at cricket. You have bought a new bat, perfect in balance, a new pair of pads, white as driven snow, gloves of the very latest design. Do they let you use them? No. After one ball, in the negotiation of which neither your bat, nor your pads, nor your gloves come into play, they send you back into the pavilion to spend the rest of the afternoon listening to fatuous stories of some old gentleman who knew Fuller Pilch. And when your side takes the field, where are you? 
probably had a long leg both ends, exposed to the public gaze as the worst fieldsman in London. How devastating are your emotions? Remorse, anger, mortification fill your heart. Above all, envy. Envy of the lucky immortals who disport themselves on the green level of lords. Consider what it is to be bad at lawn tennis. True, you are allowed to hold on to your new racket all through the game, but how often are you allowed to employ it usefully? How often does your partner cry mine and bundle you out of the way? Is there pleasure in playing football badly? You may spend the full 80 minutes in your new boots, but your relations with the ball will be distant. They do not give you a ball to yourself at football. But how different a game is golf. At golf, it is the bad player who gets the most strokes. However good his opponent, the bad player has the right to play out each hole to the end. He will get more than his share of the game. He need have no fears that his new driver will not be employed. He will have as many swings with it as the scratchman. More if he misses the ball altogether upon one or two tees. If he buys a new niblick, he is certain to get fun out of it on the very first day. And above all, there is this to be said for golfing mediocrity. The bad player can make the strokes of the good player. The poor cricketer has perhaps never made 50 in his life. As soon as he stands at the wicket, he knows that he is not going to make 50 today. But the 18 handicap man or woman has some time or has played every hole on the course to perfection. They have driven a ball 250 yards, made superb approaches, and has run down the long putt. Any of these things may suddenly happen to them again. And therefore, it is not their fate to have to sit in the club room after the second round and listen to all the wonderful deeds of others. They can join in too. They can say with perfect truth, I once carried the ditch at the fourth with my second. Or, I remember when I drove into the bunker guarding the eighth green. Or even, I did a three at the eleventh this afternoon, bogey, being five. But if the bad cricketer says, I remember when I took a century in 40 minutes, he's nothing but a liar. For these and other reasons, golf is the best game in the world for a bad player. And sometimes I am tempted to go further and say that it is a better game for the bad player than for the good player. The joy of driving a ball straight after a week of slicing the joy of putting a mashy shot dead, the joy of even a moderate stroke with a brassy, best of all, the joy of the perfect clique shot. These things the good player will never know. Every stroke we bad players make, we make in hope. It is never so bad, but it might have been worse. It is never so bad but we are confident of doing better next time. And if the next stroke is good, what happiness fills our soul? 
how eagerly we tell ourselves that, in a little while, all our strokes will be as good. What does Varden know of this? If he does a five-hole in four, he blames himself that he did not do it in three. If he does it in five, he is miserable. He will never experience that happy surprise with which we hail our best strokes. Only his bad strokes surprise him, and then we may suppose that he is not happy. His length and accuracy are mechanical. They are not the result, as so often in our case, of some suddenly applied maxim or some suddenly discovered innovation. The only thing which can vary in his game is his putting, and putting is not golf, but croquet. But of course we, too, are going to be as good as Varden one day. We are only postponing the day because, meanwhile, it is so pleasant to be bad. And it is part of the charm of being bad at golf that in a moment, in a single night, we may become good. If the bad cricketer said to a good cricketer, what am I doing wrong? The only possible answer would be nothing in particular except that you can't play cricket. But if you or I were to say to our scratch friend, what am I doing wrong? He would reply at once, moving the head or dropping the right knee or not getting the wrists in soon enough. And by tomorrow, we should be different players. Upon such a little depends, or seems to the 18 handicap to depend, excellence in golf. And so perfectly happy in our present badness and perfectly content and confident of our future goodness, we long handicapped people remain. Perhaps it would be pleasanter to be a little more certain of getting the ball safely off the first tee. Perhaps at the 14th hole, where there is a right of way and the public encroach, we should like to feel that we have done with topping perhaps. Well, perhaps we might get our handicap down to 15, but no lower. Certainly no lower. The End this short story made you very very sleepy much like a golf game on the television during the weekend thank you so much for listening thank you so much for all of your support all of your downloads I know this is a short story for this evening and I apologize for its shortness next week however It's my birthday, so I'll be working on something special. If this is your first time joining, thank you. Welcome, and I hope you'll join again. I'm Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy. 
Until next time, good night.